Hello and welcome to season one of Romance with Heart and Heat, your podcast and YouTube show for contemporary rom-com audiobook serials. My name is Marie Matthew and I'm the author of the stories you're going to hear on this channel. The title of season one is The Bad Girl List and this is a fake dating second chance rom-com set in California wine country. Find out how one life-changing vacation list puts the heart of Dominique Chen on the line when she meets sexy wine grower Trevor Moretti. The content of this channel is intended for audience members that are 18 years and older. There is some explicit content on this channel. There is light swearing and there are some explicit spicy scenes. So I don't want any surprises as people move into the story so you have been warned. Be sure to stick around at the end of each episode for author commentary. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop them into the comments section in YouTube, or you can also send me an email at romancingmarie at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer questions and comments in future episodes on the show. Please like and subscribe to my channel on your favorite platform, whatever that happens to be. And please help me spread the word and share the show with your friends. Now, as you're listening along, if you get to the point where the tension's too much and you just can't wait to find out what happens next, you can head over to mariematthew.com and you can purchase the complete season of The Bad Girl List over on my website. It's available in ebook format, audiobook format, and there's also autographed hardbacks and paperbacks. So you will get the entire season for free on YouTube and the podcast. But again, if you just can't wait, head over to mariematthew.com. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's time for some romance with heart and heat. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 16. The Lie. Dominique. Can I hide behind the couch and film this? Annika asks. I ignore the question. How are you so lively after a night of tequila shots? I told you I wasn't that drunk. I just pretended to be drunk so Thomas could make his move on Minnie. She rolls her eyes. He still couldn't close the deal even after I left. He texted me late last night and said she left not long after we did. Now he wants me to set up another group hangout so he can try again. Why doesn't he just ask her out, I say. Seems like a lot of work to use a go-between. Beats me. Men can be weird sometimes. She points a finger at me. No more trying to distract me with meaningless questions. You have a big, life-changing task in front of you, and I want to hide behind the couch and film it for posterity. No way. Pretty please? She gets on her knees in the space between our twin beds, batting her eyelashes. I want a historical record of the only lie damn perfect Dominique has ever told. That's not true. I lied about being with Oliver and still having a job. No, you didn't. No one specifically said, hey Dom, are you still employed? Are you still dating that self-absorbed douchebag? Yeah, but I pretended like everything was normal. That's lying by omission. Will you stop being such a saint? Annika rolls her eyes and flops back on the bed. Fine. If you won't let me film, at least I'll get a front row seat to the show. This is all a ploy on Trevor's part to get you into bed. You realize that, right? I don't know. I shake my head. I already told you, he. My phone dings. I pick it up. It's a text from Trevor. Tequila says hi. A short video of his three-legged dog follows. Trevor's voice sounds from off camera. Say hi to Dominique. Tequila lets out a string of barks, her eyebrows doing a cute little dance, and the video ends. It makes my insides gooey. There had been a moment outside the tattoo shop when I thought Trevor might kiss me. But the moment had stretched a little too long, and then Annika had texted, and I'd been glad of an excuse to break eye contact. Oh my god, Annika says. He just made his dog say hi to you. That guy needs a manual on dating. He's been out of the game for way too long. I think it's adorable, but I don't say that. I hurriedly put the phone down. I don't think he's looking to date. Right. 
He's heartbroken over his fiancée. Annika sighs. I'm not saying he doesn't miss her, but Thomas and I saw you guys sitting on the back patio last night. We came out to get you guys for a game of pool, but let me tell you, neither of you looked like you wanted to be interrupted. I think back to last night with Trevor. For a while, it had seemed like the rest of the world had disappeared, like it was just the two of us. Then Kevin had crashed our game of 20 questions. Trevor had acted jealous, especially when I tested the waters by proposing Kevin for number 10 on my list. Why else would he have dragged me back into the bar to avoid Kevin, when we'd had our perfect spot outside? Annika is still talking. I think Trevor is ready to move on with his life, even if he's not ready to admit it. Why else would he propose spending so much time with you? He's obviously thinking about you. My god he just made a dog video for you. Now it's my turn to sigh. I like Trevor. A lot. But I have enough on my plate with unemployment and looming debt to set myself up for heartache. Yes, I'd had a great time with him last night, and yes, he'd gotten jealous over Kevin, but the way he'd withdrawn when he talked about Elle made me suspect he isn't really available. I sigh again, not wanting to talk about him anymore right now. Are you sure I should do this at breakfast? I say, getting back to the situation at hand. Maybe I should wait until lunch when we all have a few wineries under our belts. Please just play the free dinner at a fabulous winery card, Annika says. Free trumps a Groupon for Olive Garden any day of the week. Now get on out there and make me proud. I dig the bad girl list out of my purse. While Annika watches, I draw a line through number two on the list. Lie to the aunties. Go get him, girl, she says. She follows me out the door to the breakfast table. A chorus of good mornings greets us. The aunties are already gathered at the table, armed and ready for the second day of passport tasting. Today's schedule is in the middle of the table, under the scrutiny of Auntie Dee and Auntie Helen. My mom is on her way over with a stack of pancakes. Dom, she says as she sets down the plates, I was thinking that after our trip, your dad and I will take you and Oliver out to our favorite dim sum restaurant to celebrate his promotion. I experience that familiar withering sensation in my stomach when I see her smile. I hate lying about Oliver, but the idea of seeing disappointment on her face for the rest of vacation makes me feel ill. Annika shoves an elbow into my ribs, giving me a pointed look. Or you guys can come to my restaurant on the wharf. I'll hook you up with free wine. Free wine? That instantly has everyone's attention. We can get free wine if we eat at your restaurant? Auntie Dee asks. Only if I'm working, Mom, Annika says. And don't go thinking you can come and park yourself in my section every Saturday to booze it up with Dad. Auntie Dee makes a face. Dad and I only booze it up on Sunday. You know that, sweetie. Phew. Annika makes a dramatic sweep of her arms. Then I'm in the clear since I don't work Sundays. Everyone laughs at the easy banter. I marvel at my cousin's ability to tell her mother, right to her face, not to come and eat at her restaurant. Maybe she's onto something. If I was blunt like Annika more often, maybe life would be easier. There's a brief lull in the conversation while everyone helps themselves to pancakes. Hey guys, I say into the brief silence. I have a proposal for a schedule change. All three aunties stop what they're doing to look at me. Andy Helen says, what sort of schedule change? Andy D says, you want to change today's schedule? Mom says, I already have the drive times worked out. There isn't time to rework the whole schedule. Annika snorts into her orange juice. You guys, she's proposing a schedule change, not open heart surgery. But there's a schedule, Auntie D says. We firmed everything up months ago. I'm not looking to rejig the whole day, just dinner, I say. Your Auntie Helen found a Groupon for Olive Garden, Mom says. You love their never-ending soup and salad. I decide to take Annika's advice and dangle the free carrot before I give my family heart attacks. Annika and I got an invitation to a free dinner at a local winery. Totally free. Dom got the invitation, not me, Annika says, a little too sweetly. I ignore her. Remember those brothers Annika and I met that first night? We hadn't told our family we went out with them again, to Platitude. 
I'd been too paranoid it might be misconstrued as something more than it was, especially since everyone still thought I was with Oliver. When the guys arrived to pick us up, we told them it was an Uber. Anyway, I continue, it turned out to be the same guy who ran into me with his rack of wine glasses at Moretti Winery. I hold out my arms with all the tiny bandages. They had the details of the unfortunate crash. When I mentioned I was on vacation with my family, he invited all of us to dinner tonight after passport. Auntie Helen says, he must have felt guilty for breaking glasses all over you. Andy D says, I bet he's just trying to avoid a lawsuit. Mom says, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Annika says, guys, it's a free dinner. What part of free are you missing? I say, Trevor says dinner at his winery usually starts at $5,000. All the aunties swivel toward me. $5,000, they say. Yep, that's what it costs to rent the event center for a private event. I nod like a bobblehead, then decide to try one of Tim Moretti's lines. There's supposed to be a fabulous view and delicious wine. Mom says, it should be easy to recalculate the drive time. Auntie D says, make sure you calculate enough time so we can all come home to shower and change. My makeup will look horrible after a day in the sun. Annie Helen says, I'll revise the schedule. Annika winks at me. I sit back, relieved to have everyone on board. A strange feeling comes over me as I spear a piece of pancake. That feeling of being a little kid hiding with the stolen Halloween candy creeps into me. What are you smiling about, cousin? Annika asks innocently, taking a bite of her pancake. The aunties are too busy arguing about how much time we need to allot to get changed for dinner. Auntie Dee wants 45 minutes, but Mom and Auntie Helen are trying to talk her down to 20. Neither of them are convinced she needs that long to reapply her makeup. Then they start talking about making dumplings to take to the party, and a new factor gets added to the logistics debate. I look at Annika, fighting a wild laugh that bubbles up in my chest. I did it. I convinced my entire family to rearrange a schedule that had been agreed upon three months ago, and straight up lied to them about the circumstances. I'm filled with that same wild feeling I'd had with Trevor in the back of the Tesla. I don't know exactly what it means, but I do know I want to hang on to it for as long as I can. Chapter 17. Speedo. Trevor. It's Sunday evening when I step onto my back porch with tequila hopping along behind me. Sunday is usually my day off, but because of the position of the moon, I had to work all day spraying the vines with horn silica. I didn't really mind. It got me out of another day working the tasting bar during passport. It also gave me something to do while the clock counted down to tonight's fake date with Dom. I try to tell myself I'm not eager to see her, even though I spent more than half the damn day thinking about her. The way the left eye crinkles more than her right when she laughs, the way she looks when inspiration seizes her, and the way she makes me feel when I'm around her. In my pretend tequila voice I say, don't be an idiot dad, you're still in love with Elle. Besides, Dom doesn't even live around here, just enjoy hanging out with her tonight and move on. This is the argument that's been running in circles through my brain all day. As I speak, tequila's eyebrows draw together to form a pyramid shape. I decide not to try to interpret her reaction. What do dogs know about relationships anyway? We head into the bedroom. Tequila lays down on her rug in the bathroom while I shower. Dirt from the vineyard turns the water a muddy brown as I wash. My phone pings with incoming text messages as I shower. I don't have reception in most places in the vineyard, which means I usually get them all at once when I get home. There's more than usual today, which makes me wonder if some of them are from Dom. As soon as I switch off the shower I open the door and reach for the phone, not caring that I drip water everywhere. There is a message from Dom but only one. We're bringing homemade dumplings tonight for an appetizer. Hope you guys don't mind if we fry them up in your kitchen? Then there are a slew of texts from Kevin. Did you give my number to Dom? Do you know if Dom plans to go to Platitude again? Can you give me Dom's number? Irritation makes my skin prickle. Dom is way too good for that man whore. I delete all his texts without replying. 
Dom can do better for a number 10. A small part of my brain tells me I'm jealous, but I ignore it. I'm fine with Dom having her vacation fling, just not with Kevin, I tell Tequila. Her eyebrows flatten out. A whine rises from her throat as if to say, Really, Dad? Are you really okay with the idea of Dom having a vacation fling with someone else? I return my attention to my phone. There are also a bunch of texts from Thomas. Call me. 911 emergency. Where the fuck are you? Call me. Don't you ever take a lunch break in an area with cell service? You aren't normal. Call me. Dude. Call. Me. Right. Fucking. Now. I roll my eyes. Thomas is so dramatic. No doubt his messages are something asinine, like how to juggle family dinner tonight while simultaneously trying to get into Minnie's pants. I wouldn't put it past him to invite Minnie tonight. I towel off and head back into the bedroom. Tequila hops out after me. I'm about to grab the shirt and jeans I'd worn to work in the tasting room yesterday, then hesitate when I catch sight of the drawing dom made of super tequila in my truck. It's propped on my nightstand in front of the picture of me and Elle on a beach in Hawaii. I normally don't think much about clothes and as a rule, I try to do as little laundry as possible. But I don't want Dom to think I'm a caveman. I kick the dirty clothes in the general direction of the hamper, just outside the bathroom. It's not unusual for the hamper to overflow, as I tend not to do laundry until I run out of underwear. Plus my bedroom is pretty spacious, and half the time I miss the hamper when I fling my clothes across the room. Elle used to grouse at me for that whenever she picked up after me. As I grab a clean shirt and a pair of jeans, my phone rings. I hurry back into the bathroom to grab it, thinking it might be Dom. It's not Dom. It's Thomas. With a loud sigh, I answer. Hey what's up? Dude. Where the fuck have you been? I was spraying horn silica all day. You know there's no reception in the vineyards. You have reception now. Why didn't you call me? I'm getting ready for dinner. That's what I'm calling about. Mom has completely lost her shit. What are you talking about? She invited everyone dude. Not just Gramps. She invited Cindy Lee, Uncle Dan and Aunt Margot. Cindy and Lee are mom's two best friends. Uncle Dan is her brother. Why did she invite so many people? Didn't you get the announcement? Thomas changes his voice to a high-pitched interpretation of our mother. Trevor invited a girl and her family to dinner. I stop, my heart making an uncomfortable lurch across my chest. Are you fucking with me? It wouldn't be the first time Thomas has done something like this. As my younger brother, it's practically his part-time job. I wish I was but no. You ready for more? My heart takes another lurch. There's more? Gramps invited all the old-timers. I overheard mom talking to him, and he remembers seeing Dom in the bar. But his friends don't so they all want to come and meet her. Oh my fucking god. This is a disaster. No, disaster doesn't even cover it. A disaster is an untimely frost that takes out a bunch of buds in the vineyards. A disaster is my dog biting my dad when he gets too loud. This isn't a disaster. This is a clusterfuck of national proportions. You might want to give Dom a heads up. Thomas knows all about Dom and the ex-asshole her parents still think she's dating. Someone might say something that puts her in a bad position. I know you like this girl so try not to fuck her over. He's right. I do like Dom. Even if I'm currently conflicted on exactly what that means, I had promised her that dinner would be low-key, that we wouldn't do or say anything to disrupt things with her family on vacation. Trev. Yeah? Now that I've fulfilled my brotherly obligation, I want you to know I'm going to give you shit about this for the next decade. I don't have time for this. I disconnect, then hustle Tequila into her crate and simultaneously call Dom. She picks up on the second ring. Hey Trevor. Hey Dom. There's no way to sugarcoat the insanity of my family, so I dive right in. Look, I underestimated how much this means to my parents. They invited extended family and friends. Everyone wants to meet you. Silence. Dom did you hear me? Trevor? Yeah? Um we're already here. My mom and aunties are talking to your mom right now. Shit stay right where you are. I'm coming. Wait stay close to your family. I'll be right there I swear. 
I hang up and call my mom. I can tell she's smiling when she answers the phone. Trevor honey hi. Are you on your way up for dinner? Mom Thomas told me what you did. I jam my feet into my dirty work boots and rush out the door. There isn't time to mess with nicer shoes. I told you guys things are super low-key with Dom. You're going to make her uncomfortable and mess things up for me. Mom gives a high-pitched laugh, the one she uses in the tasting room when someone says something they think is funny when it really isn't. Trevor hun, your friend is already here. I suggest you hurry up and get over here. She hangs up on me. I race up to the winery in my truck, fuming. What the hell is wrong with my family? Why do they have to make this so weird? I know the answer but it still makes me angry. That sketch Dom drew of me that first night at Zeke says it all. On the outside, I look like the wreck I am on the inside. My family just wants me to be happy. They're overcompensating in all the wrong ways, but they've been worried about me for a long time. But none of this is going to work if my family says the wrong thing to hers. Dom will never forgive me if her mom finds out about Oliver tonight. The idea of her never speaking to me again bothers me more than I would have expected. It's 7.30 when I pull up to the private event center for the family dinner. Passport ended at 5, but the caterers are still there as they prepare dinner for us. As Thomas had warned, everyone is here. I spot Uncle Dan and Aunt Margot's BMW. All the trucks from Gramps and his old-timer friends are lined up in a row. I'm surprised Mom didn't invite everyone from my kindergarten class while she was at it. I spot one car I don't recognize, a minivan which I assume belongs to Dom's family. I scan the wide porch that fronts the event room looking for her. I find her sitting in a rocking chair with Gramps and the old-timers. He's prattling on about something. Dom nods as though listening as she draws in her sketchbook, but as I jump out of my truck, she shoots an urgent look my way. Her mom and aunts are in the event center with my mom and the rest of our family. It doesn't take a genius to guess that Gramps and the old-timers cornered Dom and separated her from the rest of the herd. They have been known to do that with pretty girls, especially at Zeke's. I hurry up the steps to the veranda. Dom is wearing a short sexy yellow sundress that shows off her graceful neck. I try not to notice that she isn't wearing a bra. There's just enough cleavage showing to be sexy, but not so much that Gramps and the old-timers will go blind. Her face is clean and free of makeup. Her black hair is in its customary twin buns on top of her head, but the loose strands around her face look soft enough to touch. Despite everything that's going on, the sight of her makes something inside of me relax. Now that we're a united front, we can figure this out. Trevor. Gramps beams up at me as I approach. Glad you could join us. Hi Gramps. Hey guys. I greet the old-timer crew, taking a seat in the chair next to Dom. You look great, I say, trying to dispel the tension radiating off her. You too. Dom's smile is tense, though I give her credit for trying to fake it. If I hadn't spent so much time with her in the last few days, I might have even bought it. The dress is Annika's. Did anyone get you a drink? I ask, realizing there isn't a wine glass next to her. It's my fault, Graham says. I asked her to draw my portrait and make me look 20 years younger so I can set up a Tinder profile. I refused to let her drink until her work was done. The old-timers hoot with laughter. Dom smiles at my grandfather's antics, turning the sketchbook so I can see her drawing. She's toned down his laugh lines and the seams in his cheeks, but otherwise it captures him perfectly in black and white. Gramps a Tinder profile? Really? I'm not getting any younger, Gramps replies. It's going to be hard to catch a new woman with all these wrinkles. Dom holds the picture up next to his face. I don't think this would be considered a bait and switch, do you? Definitely a bait and switch, I say. But I'm sure you'll win over your dates with your sparkling personality. Dom tears the page out of her book and hands it to Gramps. Here you go. Be sure to send me a link to your Tinder profile when you get it up. Don't be getting any ideas, Missy, he replies without missing a beat. You're not my type. I think you're more his type. He points to me. Dom gives me a wide-eyed look of alarm. Gramps, Dom and I just met. I run a nervous hand through my wet hair. We're just friends. Dom says, I don't even live in the area. 
Gramps snorts and takes a drink from his wine glass. You young people overthink everything. We're going to leave you guys to your game. I rise, gesturing to the decks of cards sitting on the table between the old timers. Dom and I are going inside to get a drink. We fall into step as we hurry across the veranda. I'm sorry, I say. I didn't expect my family to go crazy. She shakes her head. It's my fault for not coming clean to my parents when Oliver and I first broke up. I wouldn't be in this position if I'd just been honest. I pull up short, briefly touching her elbow to stop her. Don't do that. Do what? Don't let me off the hook. You don't have to take the blame for this. This is on me, okay? I should have guessed they'd all lose their shit. I've barely left my bungalow since Elle died, except to work. I'm going to do everything I can not to screw things up for you. She nods her mouth tight. Thanks, Trevor. I hate seeing her like this. The relaxed Dom I'd spent last night with is gone, replaced with the uncomfortable nervous version. This was supposed to be an easy, fun dinner. My mom and aunties think you invited us to avoid a lawsuit, Dom says. You know for cutting me with the wine glasses. Maybe they'll attribute anything weird your family does to that. Let's hope. I glance inside through the floor-to-ceiling windows and see my mom in a lively conversation with Dom's mother and her two aunts. Cindy and Lee, her two best friends, are also there, along with Aunt Margot. Shit. Mom has on her charming smile, the one my father taught her. She uses it to get people to sign up for our wine club. She's clearly on a mission to win these ladies over. I think my mom might be waging a political campaign right now, in the hopes of impressing your family, I whisper. We need to separate them. Come on. We hurry inside. I spot Annika and Thomas lounging in chairs at one end of the long dinner table, swirling wine in their glasses as they watch my mother ignite a round of laughter from Dom's family. The two of them look like they're enjoying the show. Thomas gives me an eyebrow raise that clearly says, good luck with that bro. Our mother can be a bulldog when she puts her mind to it. The women are all gathered around the wine table. Mom is in the middle of handing out glasses of Chardonnay, while Dom's family looks down at a framed picture. Her mom and aunties look adorable with their matching fanny packs. I might have been able to appreciate their warm open smiles if I hadn't been so determined to run damage control with my mother. Mom what are you doing? I ask, positioning myself between her and Dom's family. That's when I see what the ladies have in their hands. It's a picture of me. From senior year. In a speedo. Mom? Before I can think better of it, I snatch the picture away. What the hell mom? Mom's eyes glint as she meets my gaze. She's bringing her A-game apparently. If I don't keep an eye on her, she's going to haul out my naked baby pictures. I have grossly underestimated the fallout of bringing a casual date to Sunday dinner. I was just telling Dom's family about your swimming career, mom says. It wasn't a career. It was a high school sports team. You could have gotten a scholarship if you'd wanted to. Maybe if I didn't have my hands full with a double major at Davis, I reply testily. And Louise was just telling me how Dom graduated with honors from UC Berkeley, mom says, smiling warmly at Dom. One of the aunties pats me on the arm. You look very handsome in that picture. Dom, did you see it? Dom jerks back. I hadn't even realized she was leaning over to get a glimpse of me in my speedo. I might have shown it to her if we weren't standing in the middle of what feels like a tightening noose. That's okay, Andy Helen. I don't want to embarrass Trevor. She wedges herself beside me, effectively creating a wall between her family and mine. You are so going to show that to me later, she says around her rigid smile, voice only loud enough for me to hear. To everyone else she says, this is our friend Trevor, leaning on the word friend. Trevor this is D. Helen and my mom Louise. Thank you for inviting us to your family dinner, Louise says. We're honored to be your guests. This is really a treat. We're thrilled to have you, mom says. Trevor honey, are you going to introduce us? She looks pointedly at Dom. I scowl at my mother. Dom this is my mom Megan. Mom this is Dom. Did you meet Annika yet? She ignores my second question as she takes Dom's hand. Nice to meet you Dom. Hi Megan. 
Dom shakes her hand. It's nice to meet you too. Trevor, look what Dom's family brought us. Mom picks up a platter of Chinese dumplings sitting next to the wine bottles and hands it to me. Homemade, Dee says. We just made them before we got here. We removed one winery from today's schedule so we could have enough time to go home and whip those up. Dom whispers in my ear. While those look delicious, I say, shooting Dama, what do I do with these look? She rescues the platter from my hands. Annika, she says, didn't you promise to fry these up for appetizers? Annika looks like she's watching a train wreck unfold and is loving every second of it. I notice Thomas is gone and wonder where he's disappeared to. Annika, only a deaf person could miss the desperation in Dom's voice. Annika rolls her eyes and saunders over. Sure, I'll fry them up. Can someone point me in the direction of the kitchen? Thomas decides it's the perfect time to make an appearance. He waltzes in, carrying something in his hands. From the look on his face, I know it's not going to be good for me. Everyone, look at this. Thomas holds up a plaque for Dom's family to see. The logo for the Sonoma County Sustainability Stewardship Council flashes gold on the top. This is an award Trevor received last year for our biodynamic farming practice. Dom's family flutters around the plaque, sounding off with various epithets of appreciation. They're nice enough to ignore the insanity of my family and act like they're sincerely impressed. Thanks to Trevor, Moretti Winery is an industry leader in biodynamic farming, Thomas says. He's even been asked to give lectures on it at UC Davis and Cal Poly. More excited exclamations follow this proclamation. If I had low self-esteem, my ego would be loving this. God her family is so nice. As I plot out ways to get my brother alone so I can strangle him, Dom leans over and whispers, well it's better than a speedo picture. She looks as helpless as I feel. Out of the corner of my eye I spot Gramps and the old timers dealing out cards. Inspiration strikes. I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner. I whisper, did you say something about your family liking to gamble? Yeah why? There isn't time to explain my new plan. Thomas is having way too much fun embarrassing me, and mom looks like she's planning her next move. Raising my voice to interrupt Thomas as he practically waxes poetic about the fertilizers I make from scratch I say, hey, does anyone like to play cards? Three black-haired heads turn in my direction. The Sustainability Farming Award is instantly forgotten. Wow. Dom hadn't been exaggerating when she said her family likes to gamble. Gramps and his friends play a pretty mean hand of gin, I say, gesturing to the old-timers. Helen says, cards? We're going to play cards? Dee says, we love gin. Louis says, do they play blackjack? Dom's smile of relief is palpable. Come on, she says, taking her mom by the arm. I'll introduce you to Gramps. He already let me draw his portrait so he can set up a Tinder profile. Everyone laughs. Louise and the aunties follow Dom outside to the porch. Gramps and his gang welcome the ladies with open arms. Another deck of cards is added to the mix as more chairs are dragged around the table. I round on my mother. Mom, you have to stop. Stop what? Don't give me that innocent look. You're not fooling anyone. Are you trying to reenact a scene from Meet the Parents? I told Dad there isn't anything serious between me and Dom. We just met. Sure, honey. She pats me on the cheek. You keep telling yourself that. You may have just met, but you invited her and her family to Sunday dinner. There's nothing casual about that. Besides, what's wrong with Dominique's family knowing what a catch you are? With a look of triumph, she marches back into the kitchen to check on Annika and the caterers. Dude, Thomas stands there spinning my award plaque in his hands. He bursts out laughing. I snarl and cast a look around like I'm expecting an attack from another direction. Nothing happens. Mom doesn't re-emerge from the kitchen with naked baby pictures, or a picture of the award-winning steer I raised sophomore year for FFA. Thomas saunters off to oversee the dumpling fry. Dad is nowhere to be seen. The rest of my family is grabbing bottles of wine and finding seats around the table. Some of the tension slides off my shoulders. We just might get through this dinner intact, but I know I can't let my guard down. I recall that Dom never got her glass of wine. 
I look through the selection and pick a bottle of our reserve Cabernet Sauvignon for her to try. On the veranda, a game of gin is in full swing. A bottle of Zinfandel is passed around. The chatter is pleasant, but it's impossible not to miss the competitive surge that ripples through the players. Dom's family is serious about games, apparently. I find Dom sitting off to one side, her sketchbook in hand as she faces one of our vineyards. As my father promised, the sunset is spectacular. Colors bloom on the page under her fingers. I am so stressed out right now, she says as I sit down next to her. Drawing is the only thing keeping me together. I can't believe I agreed to this. I'm sorry about my family. It's okay. She shakes her head. I understand. They just want you to be happy. I know but my senior year speedo picture? She laughs. Better than naked baby pictures. Try this. I set the glass of cab down next to her. This is a great vintage. Swirl it first. The oxygen flow helps release the flavors in a big wine like this one. Thanks. She takes the glass by the stem and swirls it on the table. The deep ruby liquid coats the inside of the bowl, making it glow in the light of the setting sun. I make small talk about the cab trying to put Dom at ease. A full 20 minutes pass without any more odd behavior from my family. My initial alarm is passing. I relax a little more, watching Dom as she sips at the wine and draws. I like that intense look she gets when she's focused on her art. Dumplings. Annika appears on the veranda, steam rising from the platter of freshly fried dumplings. In her free hand is a stack of cocktail napkins. The old-timers fall on the dumplings like vultures, exclaiming over the tasty appetizers. Helen reveals that it's a secret family recipe handed down for more than five generations. Is that true? I ask Dom. She nods. Chinese families have their own dumpling recipes. Their own way of folding the dumplings too. I didn't know that. Elle's family didn't make dumplings? Dom pauses, wine glass raised halfway to her lips. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring her up. I just saw her picture at your house and figured she was Chinese like me. It's okay to bring her up. Normally it's not, but for some reason it doesn't feel like a pickaxe to my chest when Dom does it. Elle was adopted by an Italian family. Her parents couldn't have children. They adopted her from China, and her brother from Guatemala. They grew up making raviolis, not dumplings. Dom smiles. It's the first time I noticed her dimple. How had I missed that? That's awesome. That her parents adopted, I mean. Yeah. They're great people. Do you speak Chinese? No. She shakes her head. Neither do my mom or aunties. They can understand a little of it, but they come from a generation where there was an expectation to Americanize. That meant learning English and using Cantonese as little as possible. It's the same with my family, I say. They immigrated here from Italy but no one in my family speaks Italian, not even Gramps. That sucks, don't you think? I wish I could speak Chinese. Yeah, I wish I could speak Italian. Trevor? Yeah? Is my mom looking at us? I glance toward the rowdy game of gin unfolding on the veranda. As I do, my eye briefly catches Louise's. She quickly looks away, laughing at something Gramps says. She's watching us, isn't she? Dom asks without looking up. She was looking at us, yeah. But she's not anymore. Does she look suspicious? I don't know, I reply honestly. I'm going inside to find Annika. I can't be sitting here alone with you. I don't want her to go, but she's right. Her mom is looking at us again, though when I raise my gaze, she pretends to be absorbed in her cards. Dom is in the middle of putting her things away when Dad steps out on the porch. Uncle Dan is with him, the two of them each holding a wine glass. I hate to interrupt this mean game of gin but dinner is ready, Dad says. His eyes shine with warm approval when they land on us. It's like a douse of cold water. It's a reminder that the night is still young. I need to stay vigilant so nothing slips. Who says you need a plus one for a satisfying date night? Meet Hello Date Night, the book box that contains everything you need for a perfect night of pleasure. 
Each box comes with an autographed copy of The Bad Girl List, a discreet feminine pleasure toy with a matching travel bag, and a sensual rose candle. Say yes to your perfect date night and head over to mariematthew.com to purchase this limited edition book box today. Chapter 18. Designs. Dominique. The Moretti Winery Event Center is out of a fairy tale. The building has stone walls with rustic wooden floors. A fire crackles in the hearth on one end, fresh flowers adorning the mantel. The long wooden table is set with linen napkins and fresh flowers. Platters of spaghetti bolognese, salad, fresh-baked bread, and chicken parmigiana are set out. The lights are dimmed, giving the feel of candlelight. Though I've been on edge ever since I got here, I find myself enjoying the meal. Things have relaxed drastically since we first arrived. Trevor and I sit on one end with Annika and Thomas, which I hope detracts from whatever mom saw between us on the veranda. I haven't seen her look our way once, which I take as a good sign. Trevor's mom has also settled down since we first arrived, when she seemed hell-bent on parading all of Trevor's accomplishments in front of my family. She and his dad keep stealing glances at the two of us, a reminder to be on my guard throughout the meal, though at least they don't verbally bring attention to us. The old-timers have become instant fans of my family. Auntie Helen is regaling them with tales of how she finds the best two-for-one coupons for all the casinos within a hundred-mile radius of Oakland where they live. I have a feeling Gramps and his friends might take them to a local Indian casino one of these nights, especially if Auntie Helen can dig up a coupon. Trevor leans in my direction as he passes me the breadbasket. Think we might get through tonight without any more weirdness? Don't say that, you're going to jinx it. I glance at him. You know, it's really sweet that your family wants you to be happy. I can tell they really care about you. I know. He turns his attention to his plate and spears a piece of chicken. It still drives me crazy though. Annika and Thomas are sitting close together, the two of them spending entirely too much time leaning over Annika's phone. Think they're plotting ways to get Thomas into Minnie's pants, Trevor asks. I think so. Annika has been texting with Minnie ever since we met her that first night. She's always been good at setting people up. Not so good with her own relationships but don't tell her I told you that. Maybe Thomas should forget about Minnie and take Annika out instead. They seem to get along. Bad idea, I reply. Thomas is totally Annika's type. How does that make it a bad idea? Don't take this the wrong way but Thomas comes off as a player. Ah. Trevor nods in understanding. Annika has a thing for bad boys? Yes. She wants a serious relationship but that won't happen if she keeps dating players. Okay, I promise not to play matchmaker. There's enough of that going around tonight anyway. Yes there is, I agree. How's tequila by the way? Your dog video was pretty funny. He grins at me. That's me before I've had my requisite amount of coffee. That's you pre-caffeine? I'd hate to see you completely doped up. Nah, he replies. I'm pretty boring after three cups of coffee. Just ask my dog. How come you didn't bring her to dinner? Remember how she went crazy with dad? She's like that around everyone. She doesn't trust anyone except me. He tilts his head. And apparently, you. I like animals, I say. I always wanted to get a dog. It was on my five-year plan with you-know-who. The caterer takes our dinner plates and brings out a lemon panna cotta. As the ramekins are set down, Tim Moretti gets up to bring around a new bottle of wine. This one is smaller and skinnier than the rest. The liquid inside is a dark yellow. What is this, I ask as Tim fills my dessert wine glass. Late harvest, he says in the rich voice I remember from the Presidio conference room. Trevor can tell you all about it. We leave the grapes on the vines for a few extra months, Trevor says. The grapes start to dehydrate and the sugar levels become very concentrated. I take a sip from the glass. Flavor explodes in my mouth as the sweet liquid rolls over my tongue. I think she likes it, Tim says, grinning as he watches my face. It's delicious. I've never had anything like it before. Do you two have a minute? Tim asks. 
Trevor's face clouds with suspicion. We're having dessert, Dad. It'll just take a minute. Come on. I give Trevor a questioning look. He shakes his head, frowning at his dad's back as he pushes out his chair. He grabs his glass so I do too. Tim leaves the bottle of late harvest on the table and leads us into a small office attached to the event center. There's a large desk pushed up against a window that looks out onto the back gravel area where I first met Tequila. Two steps into the office and I freeze. Arrayed on portable easels are the wine label redesigns from Presidio. Six cream clone labels sit next to my three brightly colored ones. Recognize these? Tim asks with a wide smile. My mouth goes dry. I shoot a worried glance over my shoulder to where mom sits. She's absorbed in conversation with Auntie D. I didn't think you recognized me. I never forget a face, Tim says. What's going on? Trevor asks, brow furrowing. Dominique and I have met before, Tim proclaims in a voice that I'm pretty sure is loud enough to be heard all the way in Iceland. She works for Presidio, the company I contracted with to redesign our wine label. I have to say, I really liked your designs, Dom. I know that may not have been obvious during the meeting, but I was just surprised to see something so unconventional. I asked to speak with you directly the next day, but Sophia said you had an appointment. Appointment. Right. With the unemployment agency, what are you guys looking at? I jump as mom comes up behind us. Your daughter works for the company I hired for our rebranding project, Tim says. You're working with Presidio, mom asks, giving me a look. She's not pleased I held out on telling her which winery I did design work for. We sure are. Tim flashes me another one of those smiles. My return smile is so brittle it feels like it might crack my face in half. I had been so worried about mom finding out about Oliver, it never occurred to me to worry about Presidio coming up in conversation. After all, Tim hadn't said anything when we spoke yesterday in Trevor's bungalow. I had assumed he didn't recognize me. Nope, he'd recognize me all right. He'd recognize me and apparently planned this little surprise. I wanted to talk to you about your designs, Tim says. Sophia promised to have you reach out but since you're here, maybe we could chat about some ideas? Helen D, mom calls. Come see Dom's designs. Remember when she told us she'd been working on a wine label redesign? It was for Moretti Winery. Tim has some of her designs set up in his office. Apparently, now that the cat is out of the bag, mom has decided there's no need to downplay anything. It's like watching a slow-motion horror movie, that part when the axe or the knife is about to descend and strike the hapless victim. In this instance, the weapon takes the shape of Auntie D and Auntie Helen as they grab their glasses of late harvest and bustle over to the office. I've never been good at lying. They are sure to see right through me, especially Trevor's dad. I have a feeling his salesman senses can spot a lie from five miles away. I'm about to be found out. Everyone is going to know I've been fired. I'm about to be embarrassed and humiliated right in front of everyone. In front of Trevor, his family, and my family. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another author commentary portion of the podcast. And I'm doing something different today. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm actually sitting on the edge of a vineyard today to record this episode. I've never done this. I've never recorded outside before, but I'm on my lunch break at work and I was feeling inspired. So I thought, why not? The book takes place in wine country. So why not go sit out here in the vineyards and make a video? So obviously today I'm not gonna be drinking any wine on the episode because I am at lunch. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm not a winemaker, but if I was a winemaker, I could drink with my lunch. Although they usually have to spit it out. They have little spit buckets. So we won't have any wine on this week's episode, but I hope to be back on the next episode with our 
wine tasting. You actually can't see the vineyards behind me. At the time of this recording, it's actually December, so all the vineyards behind me are kind of brown and shriveled. So if you do see anything off to my right here, those are the vineyards. If it was spring, it would, it would be much uh, more vibrant. You'd be able to see the vineyards. Yeah, I'm sitting here on the edge of the vineyards, and today I thought I would tell you guys the origin story of the Hello Date Night box. The story of the Hello Date Night box began with my secret or not so secret <laughs> obsession with reading romance novels. I shared before that my husband and I share an Audible account, so every time I got a new Manchester book, he'd see it <laughs> pop up on his phone, which I find hilarious. And he's very level-headed about such things. He doesn't get ruffled at all. Yeah, I always really enjoyed reading romance books, which was funny being an apocalypse author. And I always thought it would be so fun. I thought to myself, if I was a romance author, I would sell vibrators with my book because I just think that would be hilarious. And I guess part of that probably came from my age. I've talked before about the sexy fail. It's a, a book technique, and this is my name for it. I don't, I don't know what the real name is for it, but I call them sexy fails. And they're super popular in rom-coms particularly. And they're those moments when the characters are like poised to have really great sex, but something usually funny comes along to derail it. And I guess as a middle-aged woman with a child, that's like my life. <laughs> Children wreak havoc on your sex life. That's just the reality of things. And there came a point in time where I just realized I had to take responsibility for my orgasms or my lack of them. And if my child was getting in the way, I just had to figure out other ways to make sure I was getting what I needed. My husband or from myself. I don't think my situation is singular. I think there's a lot of women my age that probably struggle with the same things, especially I only have one kid, you guys. I don't know how you do it with more. <laughs> I just kind of had this idea kicking around in my head that like, hey, if I ever write romance books I want to sell them with vibrators I think it'd be really just fun and funny but also just like a celebration of being a woman and just being able to own your body and own what your body needs and take responsibility for it and just get what you need every day so yeah that was those are some really big points of inspiration for me. So then when I decided to launch my own romance brand, the idea circled back to me that was like, hey, maybe you should look at selling vibrators. And I thought, hmm, maybe, maybe that's something I'll pursue. And then I started seeing some stuff out there about book boxes. And honestly, that wasn't something I'd, I was super familiar with. I sat in on a webinar and a woman talked about some book boxes that she had made for her young adult romance release, something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but I thought, oh, that'd be really fun to do a book box. So then I just kind of started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, maybe this would be a way to like, you know, get the vibrators out with the books. But so after that, the idea just kind of morphed and, and grew into this whole idea of, you know, a hello date night. You not necessarily needing a partner to have a date night with yourself. If you have a partner, that's great. If you don't have a partner, that's okay too. And if you have a partner and want to have a date night with yourself, like that is totally okay. Like I said, I'm all about like owning your orgasms, owning your pleasure and taking care of your body, giving yourself what you need, whatever your life circumstances are. So that's where the origin of this whole date night box came from. So then I started thinking, oh, well, what do you need for a, a date night? It's like, well, you need a book boyfriend, right? So you got your book and you've got your pleasure toy um, and then you've got your scented rose candle. So it's like everything you need to just have fun and enjoy yourself and just bring some joy and pleasure and happiness into your life. There's so many just everyday things out there to just like get you down weigh you down and honestly like here we are 
on this planet. We're so lucky to be alive. We're so lucky to have these bodies. Why shouldn't we be taking advantage of every moment of joy and happiness that we can? And for me, reading, writing stories and reading other books, like that's a big bright point in my life. Like it brings me so much joy. And I hope people that are, are listening to this podcast and to this book, I hope you guys are getting the same amount of joy from reading my stories and reading books by other people. I, I hope stories bring you as much pleasure as they do me. I had so much fun sourcing the items for this box. I have to tell you, <laughs> I had like a week of being completely obsessed, like where I couldn't sleep. I'd be up to like two or three in the morning researching different products for this box and just like getting excited about all the different potential, all the different things I could include. And I have ideas for other boxes in the future. So I hope you guys buy this box and that you'll show up and, and buy the next box that I create. And it's really fun to research the, the sex toys, especially vibrators, because you can get super tiny ones to like ginormous, uh, probably belongs on a giant, <laughs> Andre the Giant maybe, <laughs> kind of dildos. So it was like fun to be looking through all of them and just thinking like, hmm, I wonder what kind people would want, like what kind would be popular. And I landed on something a little more sleek and sexy for this first one. If you guys want something more, more graphic <laughs> and more substantial in size, I mean, let me know. We can do that on, on future boxes. I mean, they're out there and some look like really realistic. And then, you know, some are just more like the one in this box, like just discreet and maybe not so anatomically correct. So I guess it just depends on what your taste is, but um, I would love to know what you might like to see in future boxes. And here's a funny story for you. I got my really good friend to come up and do the, the photography and help me with the videos for the date night box and she's awesome you guys she built my website too so she's just like all around awesome and super talented but anyway she showed up and she had like underwater lights and like all these different cool colors and all these different set ideas so like we were having a blast and we were working on the unboxing video you know for instagram reels and tiktok and all that good stuff so we're doing the unboxing video and then we get to the part where i unbox the vibrator and like i'm holding it up and so like i wanted to show the camera what it could do and well i forgot that the vibrator has 10 speeds so we're sitting there and like i'm clicking trying to get through all the settings and there's all these different vibration patterns and noises and then we just start busting up like we laugh like we're 12 years old <laughs> so i thought it'd be fun we just splice in a piece of that video you can see how goofy we are There you go. I hope you got a little giggle out of that too, because you know, life's always better when you can giggle and, and laugh at silly things that happen. <laughs> if you're interested in the Hello Date Night box, of course you can head over to mariematthew.com to buy your box. So that's the origin story of the Hello Date Night box. That's how the story came into being. That's how these fun boxes came into being. You know, I really see them as just a celebration of our femininity, our sexuality, like being able to own our bodies, own our pleasure, own our orgasms. And I hope that you see them that way too. 